Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got it with punishment. Nuggets is confident, but they hear the one we coming with. Others in love with the drug and this family is running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. guys, welcome to this week's edition of 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com. Uh, it's Tim Daniel and Sean Mackey here as always, and I'm stoked for our guest this week. He is a writer for Hornets.com. He covers the Hornets, the Greensboro Swarm, who I've been on record to say is my favorite G League roster because of basically all the Blue Blood players on there, and also covers Hornets Venom GT, uh, the NBA 2K franchise that the Hornets have. This is Mr. Sam Perley. Sam, I've been trying to get you on this show now, it feels like, for about a year, so we finally made it happen. How you doing, man? You paint a picture like I was turning you down every week. Once back in the summer, and I was like, there's nothing going on. I have nothing to talk <laughs> about right now. We're not playing, and and then it asked me recently, and then I said yes. So in the span of the asks, maybe it's been a handful of months, but you're making me look like I was blowing you off like I'm big time or something. I never used those words. I knew you were a busy man and everything. It's, and there was it's nothing fine going if you on. were, Sam. It's fine if you were. He's been, he's been hitting me up every week, and I've been saying, no, no, no. And I, promise, I go on. Will you leave me alone? So here I am. <laughs> he's like, I'm in everyone else's show, but not yours. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm ready to talk some uh, some basketball for sure. Yeah, man. We'll uh, we'll kind of get started right at the at the top of it. Um, obviously, you know the way the Eastern Conference is shaped up so far, it looks like you know you got to feel pretty good about the Hornets team. Um, the way they've built this young core, you know, starting back to PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, bringing in Lamelo Ball, obviously, um, and in this draft, you know, signing Terry Rozier, who has been spectacular. Gordon Hayward, kind of finding a little of his All Star form back. For you kind of covering this team uh, compared to years past, how fun has this roster been to compare to, you know, uh, what you've seen from the past few seasons? Well, they're all fun. Um, what I do is, is you know, I, I basically kind of in the in-house beat writer. Everything, uh, this is my fifth full-time season with the team, um, seventh overall. I did some internships and contract years. So it's definitely different. This is the second one that it's been sort of a developmental year. Um, my first three full-time years was kind of, shooting to get in the playoffs with Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb and Nick Batum and those guys. So um, it's been a lot of fun. And I even say last year was a lot of fun too. And, you know, the, we didn't win as much last year as we wanted to. We, I think we finished with 22, 23 wins, 45 losses. I forget what it ended up being, but man, the wins were so much fun. It was so much fun to watch the young guys and felt like everybody was contributing. Um, you know, everybody's stepping up, PJ, Miles, Terry, Devonte. Um, even Dwayne Bacon last year too. It seemed like everybody had a role in a win at some point last year, like a big player, memorable moments. So last year was the most fun I think I'd ever had covering the team. It was really, really exciting. And, you know, being at the beginning of the year when the, everyone's like, you know, you're going to win 15 games and to go out and win on opening night and have buzzer beaters and things like that was, it was really cool last year. And so um, it was a bummer, obviously, for everybody when the season ended kind of unexpectedly last March. And then I uh, didn't get invited to the Orlando bubble. And that was kind of a bummer too, but um, obviously kind of, you know, the excitement really kind of uh, started this season, I think started with the draft lottery. I think the draft lottery in, um, in August was the first time we moved up in 20 years. So wow. we went from eight to three. Yeah. It'd been a long time. Uh, I think Baron Davis, the Baron Davis pick in 99 was the last time we jumped from like 12th or 13th to um 
what was it, third at the time. So we either stayed the same, not been in the lottery or moved down every single year since. So that was really, really exciting. And then um, obviously the LaMelo edition has been, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on has been really, really exciting and, and definitely exceeded expectations. And then, and then Gordon too, Gordon's been really great. I think he's been a great mentor to these young guys. And it seems like those two big additions have really helped a lot of guys on the roster take a big step forward this year. So it's been really, it's, I'd say last year was a lot of fun and this year has been a lot of fun too, considering the circumstances, a little weird, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun so far. Yeah. And you obviously mentioned LaMelo ball and I'm sure he'll come up quite a bit during this podcast recording, but um, you know, we'll get the first one out there. Obviously, like you said, Hornets jump up to the third pick and um, I remember Sean and I, you know, during the lottery, we did a show because we're Bulls fans and we're thinking, okay, we're going to be seventh again, same thing year in and year out. And they go to forward. I'm like, okay, this is the greatest lottery ever already because I was expecting the Bulls to pick seventh once again. And you see the Hornets move up who I've like always had this weird soft spot in my heart for like for, for years now. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then obviously LaMelo dropping the three, um, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about just, you know, the spark he brings and the excitement. It seems like he's already taking on a bit of a leadership role and he's making all the players around him better. Um, the Airbnb nickname with him and Miles Bridges, I think is the coolest nickname for a tandem I've ever heard in basketball. So, you know, t- looking at what you've seen so far from LaMelo, what is that spark like, especially, you know, you had Kemba Walker that you covered for a long time and we know about his scoring, his all-star abilities. And does it almost feel like even though they're completely different players, you kind of almost have that spark back with LaMelo that you have with Kemba? Yeah, I would say a little bit. They're very two, they're two different, they're two very different personalities and very different backgrounds. You know, Kemba obviously had the big, you know, UConn, the 2011 UConn run and you know, winning the Big East tournament and, and then right into the, in the, I don't know what it was, 11, 12, 13 games in a row. And that kind of vaulted him on, you know, he entered the league as a backup and, you know, he was yeah. a, you know, too small and it's just, they came from different circumstances. I think Kemba's, you know, superstar talent, but not necessarily a superstar personality. And that's not a knock on him. He just was kind of quiet reserve, just a quiet lead by example leader. Um, I have not met LaMelo face-to-face yet. I've done Zoom calls with him, things like that. But from everything that I, my interactions with him and, um, I mean, to use a term like kids, that guy loves basketball, has never been more applicable for an individual than LaMelo Ball. He has been an absolute just breath of fresh air. The energy, the excitement, um, the, just the attitude alone, wants to get better, asking questions, um, taking criticism, like just infectious joy. And I don't know how much games you guys watch, but guy is always smiling on the court, like always smiling. I have never seen a player have so much joy playing the game and it's rubbed off on a lot of his teammates too. Uh, Particularly in this season when it's so weird right now with the having to quarantine on the road and the the COVID testing. I mean, he's been just absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's, it's a little bittersweet because you want to have fans there and you want to be able to see like, this is great, how great this guy is, but the attitude has been just phenomenal. And, you know, it's, I did so much work on the draft over the summer that I was going crazy at some point just because it was every day was just draft content because we had nothing else to do or talk about it. And it's like, you just don't know. And it's such a, a different background, a different path to the NBA. So you don't really know what to make of him and things like that. But I could not speak more highly of how he's come in this first season, um, just strictly from a personal standpoint. And then basketball wise, I mean, I think he's, you know, just been spectacular the the passing has been tremendous the rebounding has been great he's starting to shoot really really well he's at probably in the second half of the season around 40 
maybe high 30s, low 40% three-point shooter. I mean, he just is – every game it's, he does something that's like that's a little bit more advanced than somebody at your age should be at this point. So it's been really, really cool to see him. And I think it, it's really rubbed off on a lot of guys. And you see he still has a lot of room to grow. It's, it's typical rookie stuff, turnovers, decision-making, defense. But um, I think we're really, really happy with – I think as an organization, everything he's brought so far has been really, really um, tremendous. Sam, uh, obviously, LaMelo Ball is kind of the uh, he's kind of the the star player right now that everyone's really getting excited about. But uh, this last November, um, Gordon Hayward signed, was signed and traded to the Charlotte Hornets, a guy who I don't really ever think he just never got the right timing while he was out there with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it for a guy like that getting a veteran, a guy who's who's won on a big level in the past? Um, on a team with with some younger people like like PJ Washington or Lamelo. Well, Gordon's been great too, um, and it's funny because it was kind of came out of the fact. And I remember this is one, way before I worked for the Hornets, but he actually signed an offer sheet with us. Um, we yeah. signed we signed him to a restricted free agent as a restricted free agent in 2014, and then Utah matched the contract, and then it wasn't, it wasn't um, we weren't in the free agent running back in 2017. Went to Boston. Um, you know, it's, I think the last three couple of years, been, I mean, obviously it's been tough for Gordon. The injury was very well documented in Boston and then basically cost him a whole year. And it really cost him the next year too, because he had to yeah. basically play catch up the whole time. And then he finally found his rhythm last year and he broke his hand a month into the season and the came back and, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and those guys had kind of taken off and then season ended and then went back and he got hurt in the bubble and, um his wife actually I think gave birth while he was in the bubble so it was kind of just yeah. a weird you know I just I think the Boston thing it's you know it was it was tough for him it just it through no fault of his own it didn't just necessarily live up to his plans you know and it's not anybody's fault but you can tell you know right off the get-go this year he's been really really great for the young guys he's our oldest guy on the team now and he's 30 years old that's and he crazy. even thinks that's funny um he you know he's been in the league for 11 years and he's averaging career highs right now. He's shooting better than he ever has in the field. I mean, you could tell, I think this move to Charlotte has breathed life back into him. And I, that's not that he didn't have life in Boston, but I think he just needed to change the scenery and um, he's having fun again. I think he loves playing with these guys and he's been great for the young guys, PJ Washington, Miles, LaMelo. I mean, everybody can learn, learn something from Gordon. I mean, he's been an all-star. He's a 15, 16, 17 points point per game score the last eight, nine years. I mean, it's, there's a reason he's been in the league for 11 years because he's smart. Um, he works really hard and he's a great teammate. And the thing that stood out with me basketball wise for him, I mean, he had a 44 point game earlier this year. He's just so good at picking his spots on the floor. I mean, he's just yeah. tremendous getting to the three point line, getting to, he's taking a lot of mid range shots, but they're going in, you know, he's still got athleticism. Um, I mean, he's just been an absolute, you know, huge asset to the team, both from a basketball standpoint and from a, uh, and he's been, he's playing with Terry again too. They played together for just for one year um, in Boston. It was the year between Gordon's injury and um, last season. So um, again, Gordon's been tremendous. It was a little bit of a surprise. um, We haven't had many big time free agents come here, but you know, he's really bought into it. He loves what's going on here for sure. And he's been a big part of it so far. And he looks like he's in great shape this season too. Like just, I mean, he just, he looks fantastic out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, I don't think the injuries, I mean, he's had a couple like 
little things. He had a little broken finger at the beginning of the year that didn't cost him any games, and he's had a couple absences, back stuff. But the leg thing is not – that was a kind of a random fluke thing. It's nothing's chronic. So he's been healthy. He's been great. Um, you know, he's finding ways to contribute. And even if he's not scoring every single night, he's rebounding, he's playmaking. And that was kind of the big emphasis this year is JB wanted – uh, playmakers on the court. He wanted three or four guys at all times to be able to handle the ball. So it's Devonte, Terry, Lamelo, Gordon. PJ's doing a little bit more. Miles. Last year was really just Terry and Devonte. So all one of the, if it was only really one of them could get the ball, it kind of slows down your pace and your offensive rhythm. So every night it's it's there's at least three guys on the court that can handle the ball and push it up court. And Gordon's been a big part of that too. He's a big, sizable playmaker. You know, he's in a small forward body. He's got point guard you know, facilitating skills. So um, just a great asset. I mean, he's been great. And it's, it's, you know, I'm glad at least for personally that, you know, after everything that kind of transpired in Boston, that he's showing, you know, the NBA community that he's still the guy that was an all-star that led a team to the Western conference. Was it semifinals back in 2017? Yeah. yeah it's been, you know, obviously it's been a joy to watch. So one name who's really kind of, brought himself back into the world of the NBA and it's been a lot of, a lot of fun, uh, especially for people who um, put a lot of stock into him uh, like me is uh, Malik Monk. So uh, we've seen Malik really kind of get a shot. Obviously, you know, he had some reported issues, but he's played, you know, he seems like he's kind of put that past him. Um, you know, has one of the best jump shots I've ever seen. Like just, it's so pretty when it's, in, when he puts the ball in the air. Um, I remember him obviously from his time in Kentucky when he had the 47 game point game against UNC in Las Vegas. Um, you know, Sean and I were together on draft night as Bulls fans, and we were like, you know, the Bulls traded up. Let's see if they get Malik Monk. They obviously it's like Laurie Marketing, which has been fine. Um, but, you know, Monk has obviously been someone who's really this year, like you mentioned, guys are getting better. Guys are developing. Um, you know, he's had all, all the talent in the world for the longest time. So what's it been about Malik that's been a little different this year from seasons past? Just maturation. Um, I think he's physically matured, and I think he's mentally matured as well. He came in. Um, and this is not uncommon of any, I mean, he just came in and he's just, just wasn't, you know, necessarily as ready for the NBA as maybe he looked basketball wise at Kentucky. Um, and he came in as 19 years old and it reminded me a lot of the, um, different players, but sort of the path he's been on it reminded me a lot of Jeremy Lamb because when Jeremy Lamb came yeah. to Charlotte, it was, um, he came in and I came in into a different situation in, Oklahoma City where he wasn't playing as well and could literally just get by on natural ability and when it kind of got in a situation where it's like okay Jeremy we need you to take your game to the next level didn't necessarily have the habits and the skill set to do so and it it took Jeremy a while uh, excuse me to kind of get to that point but I never saw a player grow more I mean he was here kind of a good amount of time I never saw a player grow more from when I first saw him working in the NBA to when he left the Jeremy Lamb and Malik is kind of on that same trajectory right now. He's just, I think he's in a good spot mentally. I think he's in a great spot physically. He's found a role. Um, you know, he's become sort of this, I'm not comparing him necessarily, but sort of like that Lou Williams kind of guy, that guy that's going to come off the bench and I'm going to go and get you 15 points a night. You know, I, I could get you, you know, I can come in and get you, 25 points or I can come in and get you 10, but I can do some other stuff as well, whether it's rebounding, assisting, getting to the free throw line, knocking down a couple threes. I mean, he's finding ways to impact the game. His finishing at the rim's gotten a lot better. Um, physically, he's gotten a little bit bigger. Um, he's defending with a little bit more urgency. 
Uh, I mean, the other night when we played, I think it was the Minnesota game, we were down to like, must have felt like seven players, eight players. I mean, he really, re him and, and Miles really helped will that team, the team to win over the Timberwolves the other night um, off the bench. Um, so yeah, he's exciting. I'm happy for him. I mean, he's, he's only 20, he just turned 23 too. It feels like he's been in the league for four or five years and he's probably the same age as some of the rookies that came out this year that, are, that were seniors. So um, he's been a great addition. He's kind of found his role and he's founding where he's going to excel um and i think he had it earlier this year at a career high so it's great to see for him personally sort of the growth and maturation that's that's paid off last three and a half years yeah i picked him up my fancy basketball team a couple weeks ago and uh he's been spectacular for me yeah the, my the miami game was pretty was pretty cool for him i think uh for those that don't know i think we had a it was like a down 10 maybe with three minutes left or so and he hit i think he i forget what he finished with nine threes maybe off the bench but he uh, and he hit the he hit an off balance like it's probably the play of the year so far for the team. He hit an off balance three, off a hand, dribble handoff kind of towards the left side and, and sent it into overtime. Um, and that was really cool for him to get that moment. And then they went and won it in overtime. So, um, but yeah, he's been he's been great this year. He's had some really big nights and finding ways to contribute even when he's not scoring. It wasn't like that in the past. It wasn't shooting well. It was nothing. But he's finding ways to impact the game even when shots aren't necessarily falling. So one of the things I really wanted to ask you and kind of get your thoughts on, um, I know probably Sean has a few more as well, but I wanted to kind of touch on the importance of the fact that these guys are getting to continuously play together and grow this young core that the, the Hornets have brought together. And my example is, um, you know, it was just announced today for Minnesota, D'Angelo Russell's out four to six weeks. I looked it up today um, in the time since they made that trade, Minnesota made the trade to bring Russell in. Uh, him and Carl Anthony Towns played a total of six games together. Yeah. So like just not a lot of time to build chemistry. I know they're really good friends, but you haven't, I mean, they haven't had chances like, you know, bringing Malik Beasley, same circumstance where like he's, you know, he's played a lot, but he's playing with Russell and he hasn't had a chance to play with Cat a whole lot. Um, you know, a lot has just been unfortunate circumstances, but with this group, you know, night in, night out, you can basically count on Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, you know, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Cody Zeller, those guys will be on the floor. And you can see them, like you said, like a maturation. They grow together and they're winning together and they're building this chemistry. And obviously, James Borrego, there's a lot of credit for what he's done with that team. Uh, how big has that been for you, like watching this young core as they learn together to be more and more of a team? Well, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's so fun to see, you know, you went in last year. So started probably when you when we first kind of entered the rebuilding. Okay, we're re, we're, we're rebuilding team, a retooling team. Um, basically, swapped out Kemba for Terry, and Jeremy left, and Frank Kaminsky left, and Nick Batum had kind of more of a scaled down role last year. Same with Marvin Williams last year, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, um, and you know the continuity was a big thing. You know, Devonte played just about every single game last year. Terry played every single game. I mean, it's a huge shout out to our medical staff. I think they do a tremendous job. Um, and have been since Mitch came in. We kind of staggered Cody Zeller a little bit more last year. He had injuries, and last year he was healthy for the first time in a number of years because he was, you know, we were rotating the centers with Biz and um, Billy Hernan Gomez at the time. So um, the the it's been so fun to watch this team develop because you see things like Miles Bridges is a great example. Um, you know, last year started off as a three, last year started the three, and now he's a backup small ball four. And he's doing things like creating three pointers off the dribble, never doing that last year, never once like facilitating more making, you know, finding guys on cuts underneath the basket. Like he's just doing things. It's like, Miles, you weren't doing that last year, not even close. You wouldn't even attempt to do something like that. So that's cool to kind of see 
you know, you see these guys like, okay, I'm, I want to get better at this. And then going out and seeing it um, after watching every single game is a lot of fun. So the continuity is a big thing. And then, you know, bring, and then doing that and then bringing in a guy like Gordon Hayward and bringing in a guy like LaMelo Ball. It's like, these guys can really take us next. So I just think the team's having a lot of fun right now. I think the fun and winning is fun. As we all know, winning games, watching your team win games is a lot of fun and being part of an organization that's winning is a lot of fun. Um, and, and, Truthfully, it's it's strange kind of being part of this organization and being seeing articles about us and seeing I want to watch the Hornets on League Pass and seeing us. I mean, we've had more highlights on Sports Center top ten this year than I think I've ever seen before combined before this year. It's it's funny. It's really funny to me. Um, but the development has been a huge part of it. It's not just you know adding Gordon and Lamelo. It's everybody has taken a step forward this year. Cody Zeller averaged a career high last year. Biz averaged a career high. Um, you know, PJ Washington was all second, second team, all rookie last year. Miles has taken a big step, even though he's gone back to the bench. Um, Terry Rogier as well has taken huge stride last he's year. Awesome. He's been, he's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. And took a big, you know, he had a big, big shoes to fill last year and kind of never went in with it, never went in with the attitude that I'm going to replace Kimball Walker. I'm Terry Rogier. I'm going to do my thing. Had 40% three point shooter last year. And right now I think he's at 45%. I mean, it's just been last three or four games he's had over a hundred points combined. So everybody's taking a step forward. It's a credit to the organization. It's a credit to James Borrego, his staff, the developmental. I mean, everybody is, you know, it's fun. It's fun seeing the whole, you know, thing come together. Uh, Sam, you know, it, the Charlotte Hornets have had kind of a weird history over the years. Um, yes, they there's, have. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that are from my era. I'm, I'm almost 38. You know, I grew up in the, the old school, you know, Larry Johnson, Zoe days of, and there's a lot of nostalgia for that, that era of, of Charlotte Hornets history. And like, you know, I, I look at like what we've got going on now with like LaMelo and all this. And I feel like the hype should be, right there is is the same kind of hype that, that was because those teams like really underperformed in the in in retrospect back in the back in the 90s you know but every kid you knew had a charlotte hornets jacket or anything i just felt like the branding was just everywhere back then and i feel like that kind of uh was a bigger deal at one point than the actual basketball that was on there do you see uh, you know in the next couple of years with this team that you know that they're building that kind of of hype coming back because i i kind of feel it churning up again with it with this group of guys yeah absolutely i mean you know i i was a little by the way you look really good for 38 i never would have guessed so <laughs> um <laughs> um i kind of grew up in that era too i was a little i my first kind of you know, started following basketball. Um, I'm 32. So when, when Glenn, Glenn Rice joined the Hornets was kind of like when I started to get really hooked, I was a little too young to kind of understand it. When Larry, oh, and Joe. I loved Glenn Rice. Yeah. Loved I, him. That was was that 97 all-star MVP? Yeah, 97. So he's here from 96, 96, 97, 98. And they sat out the first half of the 99 season with an injury and then got traded to the Lakers. But yeah. that was like, that was the guy. It's like, you know, I want, I want to be a Hornets fan because I want to watch Glenn Rice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so different than what the 90s were. I mean, how we consume content, how we consume in our inner team is so much different. I mean, you can I can turn on my phone now and find Gordon Hayward highlights or LaMelo Ball highlights in five seconds. You couldn't do that necessarily in the 90s. So it, I definitely think that that hype is coming back. I think it'll I think it'll take another. It's weird with not having fans, but I think it'll take another step up. Um, we can have fans back in the season. You're going to have all those kids wearing 
you know, the new Mint City uniforms or LaMelo Ball jerseys or Miles Bridges jerseys or Malik Monk or somebody like that. I think it's definitely, it's going to be hopefully like that. It's going to be different because it's 20 years later and just how we digest and consume content and video is so much different now, but it does feel different. This feels really, really different than last year. You know, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's ball. It's the attention that he gets, but you turn on to watch LaMelo Ball and you hear, you know, the other day on a podcast, Zach Lowe's talking about Miles Bridges. Well, why was he watching the Hornets game? Probably because was, everyone's turning in to see, you know, a couple guys, but then you go and you see other guys. Hey, look at Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is having 21 points a game right now. But I was brought there because of one or two guys, but now I'm seeing this whole team. So that's really cool. And then from that point, you know, in, in this crazy, crazy thing, it's like that's how you build a fan base. That's how you drive interest. You come for one or two guys and you see the whole team. Hey, I really love the way this team plays. I love the way they pass the ball. I love the way they move. I love the way they defend. They look like they're having fun. I'm going to be a Hornets fan. I'm going to be a Miles Bridges fan, a P.J. Washington fan, Terry Rozier, Cody Zeller. So it's been really cool. I think it'll – It'll probably I'll have a little bit more perspective on it when we can get fans back in and get the whole vibe and experience. But you know, this this city has been they, basketball is really important to the city of Charlotte. It's it's a big college basketball area and it's a big pro area. And like you said, the Hornets have had a very different history with being here, being a cultural phenomenon, and then leaving and coming back. And um, so yeah, I'm really excited when you know this the city's starting to embrace it. They're talking about it on the radio. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's as they as no pun intended but the buzz is there a little bit <laughs> it can be pun taken we're totally content with that i mean i use it we use the term buzz a lot everything is buzz or swarm or something so i try not to be too cheesy with it but yeah it definitely it feels different this year feels different than years past for sure i think having the jordan logo and everything being the only team that has that really helps with that too because i think people like you know, I'm, I'm your age, Sam. So like, we're in that same group. Um, but like for kids, obviously they still know like the, the seekers always retro and players wear them on the court all the time. So like, I feel like they, you know, part of that growth that they're going to have in favor of back in our, back in our younger days when it was the champion logo and the starter jackets, you know, people see that Jumpman logo, they're immediately attracted to it. The fact they're the only team that has it on all their stuff is really going to help that growth as well with that, with that a fan attraction. Yeah, the city jerseys, though, I think the whole NBA, the city jerseys now, everyone yeah. has a brand, but Hornets is the only one in all five of them or whatever, four of them now and stuff. And our fan shop is really, really cool. And people, I, I would love to know going in there for Christmas shopping and stuff like that. I mean, it's jerseys flying off the walls and shoes and all the retro gear and stuff. I mean, um, yeah, it's cool to see. I, I, I can't wait to see our fan base, you know, when we can get back to full – you know, we can hold 19,000, but as many as we can get in there, just screaming and yelling, uh, I think will be really, really cool. But yeah, I definitely agree. The Jordan the Jordan brand element is is pretty unique uh, part of this organization for sure. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, one of the things I kind of want to ask about, because obviously, you know, the talk of this draft was definitely LaMelo Ball. Um, but honestly, I loved everything the Hornets did in the second round this year. Uh, getting Vernon Carey, getting Nick Richards, uh, Grant Riller, and you know, right now obviously they're all with Greensboro um, in the in the G League bubble, which also I've been a huge fan of the G League bubble. It's been so good, and I think for player development, it's been spectacular. For that group of guys, um, it seems like you know the group, the Hornets group of scouts in the front office. It seems like these weren't they weren't drafting these guys just as like second rounders to kind of see how it sticks. It seems like they had a game plan with these guys. And, you know, they're obviously guys from a big blue blood pedigree, uh, specifically, you know, Vernon Carey played at Duke, Nick Richards played at Kentucky. Um, 
you know, do you feel in your honest opinion um, that this, you know, the idea for those guys wasn't just like, let's see what we have with them, that they really feel like they're an integral part of this team's future growth. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think you draft a guy just, I, I think never since Mitch Kupchak took over a few years ago, um, the second round and even in the undrafted it's, you know, it values it. You can find guys, you can find all-stars in the second round. You can find Devonte Graham was a second round pick. Um, Cody Martin was a second round pick last year. Caleb Martin, who has been playing meaningful minutes for the team this year and in the rotation was undrafted and like didn't even play summer league um, this year. Um, I'm trying to think, we, oh, Jalen McDaniels is the other one too. He, he was in the rotation at the end of last year. He was at the start. He's actually back with the team now. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't think you draft a guy if you don't see a path for him to be a contributor. Now you can't assume every guy in the second round is going to be a star. You might, there might be a once in a while you find a Manu Ginobili or someone in the second round and, or a Nikola Jokic, probably the best example. That just doesn't happen that often, but not every team, not every guy on a team is going to be a star. You're going to have to have complimentary guys, role players, things like that. And, you know, get as many of these guys in. If you can get one of these three second round picks becomes a top eight, top nine rotation guy. Well, that's pretty good odds. Yeah. You know, there's only so much room. So yeah, I know. And it's, I think it's tough for Vernon and Nick and, um, and Grant so far because, you know, they didn't play in March. They didn't play since March. Um, then they had no summer league got drafted camp would just kind of flew by and it was really just, we got to go with our main guys and then not, they played a little bit this year, but they have not played any meaningful minutes in terms of, you know, getting in in garbage time or something like that. Um, but then having this opportunity to go to the G league bubble, I think has been great. Vernon's averaging. I've watched every game so far. Vernon's looks great offensively. Um, all things considered, he lost a lot of weight. I think he was 270 at Duke lost 30 pounds during the summer while everyone else was gaining weight, he was losing it during quarantine. Um, so it's, it's an adjustment for him, you know, learning how to play at a different weight, your skill set, your speed, you know, how things are going to feel is going to be different. So, uh, you know, it's great for him. He's still very young. Nick Richards, too, is a little bit more developed, at least physically. He's had a very fascinating backstory. If you, yeah. Jack, he didn't even play basketball until he was like 15 or something growing up in Jamaica and then got spotted by a scout and, went to a couple high schools in the United States. So it's really cool for Nick and then Grant Riller too. We have a little familiarity with the college of Charleston program. We had Joe Cheely in here for a couple of years. Um, and Grant, I think had an injury at the beginning of the year and he's playing, he actually had a good game. I think their last G league game, um, 15 something points. It seems to be clicking for him. So yeah, the development, like you said, it was like we talked about is a big part of this organization. It starts in the G league. Devonte Graham got better going to the G league, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, Jalen, I mean, those all guys went to the G League, and this is just kind of a part of that. Um, and our assistant coach, Jay Hernandez, is, is leading the team right now in Greensboro. We actually didn't have a coach following the end of last season. The contract expired, um, so we didn't hire anybody, but, you know, he has gone down there. I think he's done a great job so far. Yeah, when I wrote our G League preview for our website, the Swarm were like the most fun team for me to do research on just because I love the roster. Um, it was all guys you knew, like if you follow college ball, even a little bit, you're aware of the names like, you know, Khalil Whitney being on that roster, uh, Admiral Schofield being former all SECs on the roster was the first pick in the G league draft this year. So, you know, they're a team that like really fascinates me, uh, just cause I love all the names you see on the roster. And I think the G league bubble, like I said earlier, it's been so good as far as like for player development and, um, you know, like I said, getting more eyes on the G league. 
I think one of the points I've been trying to prove for a while with the G League is like a lot of people just kind of look at it as like, oh, it's, you know, the minor leagues, the NBA. And it's like, no, this is really, these guys are good enough to play in the NBA. There's just not enough roster spots. And we're finally getting to see that. And I think the Swarm are a team that, you know, they're one and two right now, but I've really, really liked it, like what I've seen from them so far. Yeah, I was talking to our, our Swarm PR guy the other day. He's down there and uh, just curious. Just I had to ask him for something else. It's a little, it's a little strange down there. It definitely has like an, a little bit of an AAU vibe just because mm-hmm. there's so many games going on at once. Uh, but it's really, really cool. And the thing with the G League, I really love. And, and sometimes now that we have a couple of days off, um, I think they're actually playing tonight against the Philly team. Um, so I might tune in and watch. But there's so many. And, I, and one of the things I like about my job is I love storytelling. And where you're going to find great stories is the G League. You're going to find a guy in the G League. Most of those guys in G League have been undrafted, weren't recruited, uh, have played overseas for three or four years, um, you know, basically on their last legs of basketball. And you know what? They're going to get hot. They're going to get a 10-day contract. Maybe in a normal setting, they're going to get hot. They're going to get a 10-day contract. They're going to get a second 10-day contract. They're going to get a guaranteed deal. And then they're going to become this awesome story. There's so many cool stories like that in the G League of guys just taking, you know, not every guy in the NBA is going to go college, five-star recruit, Kentucky for one year, lottery pick. Like, it's just, it's just not going to be. Um, P.J. Tucker, a great example of somebody, he was out of the league for yeah. five years before cracking the NBA. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head in our organization that went the Europe route and then came back. But, um, yeah, this that's, that's the thing, the really cool thing about the G League. I've only been watching our guys, but – it's now that it's on like during the mornings and stuff. Like it's so, it's, it's so awesome. easy to turn on. Yeah. It's like, it's like the bubble during the summer when it's like turn on at 12, 12 PM and it's, you know, it's Clippers nuggets is on. So um, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's really cool. And I'm glad that the, you know, the NBA put this on because development's a huge part and these guys would have gone, some of them gone a whole year without playing. So it's really cool to kind of see them uh, take part in it thus far. And there's been some great basketball and hopefully this is kind of, you know, these guys that are playing well in this G League kind of springboard them and they can become contributors in this second half of the NBA season once this is over. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with you. And I think I said, it's just been a blast. Like I said, it's like a ba- all-day basketball marathon. It's like March Madness on a Tuesday afternoon just because you just heard it on. There's so much on. Uh, I love it. So a few more questions before we get you out of here. Um, so like we said, Sean and I are kids of the 90s NBA, like you. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we have our passion. That's where we discovered our love for the game. Um, and one of the things that always jumped out to me that I always loved was, you know, the Hornets jerseys. I feel like, you know, that beautiful pinstripe, whether it be the white one, whether it be, you know, the teal, or even though, you know, last year, you know, you guys were the throwback purple one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a big fan. Like it's something that always caught the eye. And then the past few seasons, you guys have definitely, you guys worn those jerseys. You brought back the old court, which was like, every time I play with the Hornets in 2K, I, you know, find those jerseys immediately. Um, so, and Sean and I always had this take, and, there's, you know, that there's three teams that have that era of jerseys that could bring them back, and, and like, they'd fit. And Charlotte's one, Orlando's one, and Minnesota's one with, like, the Kevin Garnett era, like, tree, like, around the thing. The one, yeah. Yeah. And you guys have and an extent kind of modernized that Jersey uh, with the current, you know, the current font, you still bring, you have the green, like the teal green with the white stripes and they look great. A big fan of them. What has the fan reaction been to that? Is it kind of reminding people of that Zoe Kendall Gill Muggsy Bugs era, or is it more like this is our modern version of it? Yeah, I think it's a little combination of both. I think, you know, we do have such a unique history here with the, 
you know, the retro logo and, and, you know, the snapbacks, the starter jacket and everything like that. And I've got plenty of probably a lot of it lying around here. Um, so, but I think when we did bring the name back in 2014, I wasn't part of the organization at the time, but, you know, you do want to honor your past, but you also want to say this is a new era. So, you know, kind of bringing in the new colors, but also, you know, we did the classic jerseys for about three years. I think I want to say we did it for the 20, the, uh, 30th anniversary year was in there somewhere. We did the white, purple, teal three years and we'll probably bring them out back out in the 40th anniversary or something like that. But, um, you know, I think the, the response to the uniforms is not something necessarily I dabble in. This is more on our marketing side a little bit more, but, um, you know, there's a lot of time that gets put into them. You know, these, these jerseys aren't just drawn up on a you know piece of paper and hung up on the wall. I mean, there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of, um, creation process put in with Nike and Jordan brand. I mean, I think it takes years in advance. And um, sometimes I'll write some stories. And one of the things I really like this year was like our newer jerseys, the mint, the mint ones. I love those city ones. Yeah. So I think it's so cool that Nike is doing the different city jerseys and some, you see some of them around the league and I see them and I'm just like, wow, that is like Portland. I saw the other night, I saw the Portland 76ers game and they're wearing these like, brown yeah it looked really weird maybe it didn't look it looked weird they were playing a team that was playing blue like bright blue and the colors just look really weird or red or something so but i think it's so cool those city jerseys have a story so ours was you know we were one of the first first u.s mints here in charlotte and the gold rush and silver gold was first discovered in in the u.s um and sort of kind of bringing that gold trim with the black um and the mint and it's kind of a storytelling it's so unique to our area to era and we've done that with different city uniforms so our, our creative team our design team our marketing team just does an awesome job i think our fans love it they've loved the mint jerseys i've gotten my mom i got mint stuff from it was an easy christmas for me very easy it's like when your family <laughs> loves the jersey that just came out mint jersey for brother mint sweatshirt for mom all checked off so um i think it's cool i think you know it's I think the NBA, like you said, back in the nineties, you know, imagery and, you know, those iconic symbols and those iconic logos and stuff like that were such a big part of it because that's how you identified players and stuff, you know, that's how you identified teams and you wearing the jerseys of school and stuff like that. You know, it, it made you feel like you were a part of the team in a weird way when you're like seven or eight. So um, yeah, I think it's been a cool blend. We really embrace the past year, but we also are looking for ways to be innovative and new and bring fresh ideas and and uh, designs to the team. It's it's a it's a nice mixture of the two for sure. Yeah, I've um I've I've built a small jersey collection over the past couple of years where I've just kind of like grabbed ones I really liked here and there. Um, I just picked up the Oakland Steph Curry jersey because I think it just looks awesome. And I just love that We Believe era of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will for sure have one of those Hornets Lamella walls at some point uh, in my in my collecting days, for, I'm sure of it. Um, I want to kind of touch real quick because you had a chance to cover um, this this summer during the 2K League, um, yeah. the Hornets Venom GT team, who obviously had a, had a really good season. You know, what is that experience like as far as like, how do you like, how do you sell that to like your readers and your, you know, your, your Hornets fans, as far as like these guys represent us on the video game side of the court. And like, wh- how, what is that process like? It was, I kid you not so much fun. I had so much fun doing that this summer. Um, it started, I like, I, it's, I get smiles thinking about it because it was such a fun time 
and it sounds really weird. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. It's everything I'm gonna say for the next ten minutes is gonna sound so nerdy. <laughs> and we play excessive 2K, go so go for it. We're 2K. I don't even guys. play 2K, but so what happened was so back in so the origins of it started back in maybe March of 2019. They asked me internally in the organization, say, hey, we're starting a 2K league team. So the 2K league was about to enter its second season. We're gonna be an expansion team for season three. Do you have any interest in participating in this? Like we you know, we just need representatives from the organization and, you know, arena, this, that, like, I said, okay, I'll check it out. Went into it and it's just like, I don't know if this is for me. Like this, I don't know. I don't play 2K. I don't know the gaming community. I don't know anything about this. Like, it's just a little too weird for me. So I went to a couple of meetings. It's like, you know what? I'll give this a whirl. Like nobody else really knows what's, this is all new to a lot of people. So um, we not announced our name July of 2019, started to pick up steam, the interest in it. I was like, okay, I think this is something I can do. Um, obviously the summer, you know, went to the um, draft about a year ago in New York. So we actually did a physical draft. You guys get drafted, go up, put the hat on, shake the commissioner's hand, um, went and did all that. I mean, it was all really new to me. Um, the season got suspended or I should say pause. We were going to start in, I want to say mid-March and then usually so what happens is you have a team of six you have five guys those that don't know sitting in a basically in a studio in New York and you have all five they each control one player on the court and you're playing another team so it's 10 guys total controlling in one game and there is so much strategy to it and so much planning and tape watching and film I mean there is a real method to the madness um, when you sit in the circle I went up to a game two years ago um, to the studios and you make a dunk and it's a guy standing up and yelling at the other guy on the other team in the other circle, you know, name call, not swearing or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> trash talking is so like I went to a game, I went to a studio, they play like three, it was usually three days a week. They run one game, four or five games in a row, they're about an hour each. I saw it live and I was like, this is so awesome this is so cool this is so different than anything i've ever seen before like it's playing it's esports it's like trash talking it's basketball it's i thought it was so cool um and then so we started last year and it was really we didn't it was a coronavirus they basically played remote so those guys were playing in their apartments um and we would play you know in our apartments the five of them playing orlando in their apartment so it was a little tricky the nba 2k league did a great job um, kind of navigating the internet stuff and the servers. And it was a real challenge, but it was awesome. I mean, they found a way to kind of pull it off. And last year we did a best of three series. So if you had a game against the Knicks, play best of three, whoever wins the best of three series gets a win or a loss. Um, and they played 16 games. There's tournaments for money. Um, made the playoffs, which is really exciting. I mean, it was so much fun watching that team, especially when we didn't have a whole lot to do this summer because of the quarantine and, uh, I got so into it. It was so, I can't even believe it. it was, and like I started, I had a meeting today and I had to start working on some of the stuff for the um, the next season and just like going back to all the stuff. I was like, man, I can't wait to do this again. I love the Hornets stuff. And this was just like something so, it helped me pass the time a lot in the summer and just watching games. I got to the point where I was watching games that we weren't even playing in. Like I was, had my computer in front of me. Wife's like, what are you doing? It's like watching 2K again. Like just watching the game. Like, <laughs> And she's like, but your team's not playing tonight. And I was like, I know, I really know. But I would watch it. I watched it on my phone at night when I was in bed. Like, it just, I loved the personalities. I love learning the players. 
I love learning. It's bad. It's just the basketball, like, um, myself, you know, a videographer, um, the, when I coworkers ran the team, Nicole, who's not with us anymore. She moved, um, went to school after the season. We just got so into it. So excited talking about the teams, different teams that were happening. Like it just, it was so, I keep saying so, 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 so much fun. So cool. And it sounds really nerdy, but I cannot wait for the next season. Cause it's, it's, it's really different, but um, yeah, it was, I could go on and on about it. I'm really geeking out about it for sure. It I was, loved, go ahead. Go ahead. It was fun though. Like I was at the gym and I would put it on. Like I, I got into it too. Cause I was like, I just want basketball content. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, and it's, it's, you know, with everything, all the other sports being suspended. I mean, I think it hit just a perfect time for me personally, no other sports going on the summer. Everything's got delayed because of COVID. There's no basketball, there's no baseball. And they, you know, it was on ESPN and I know some people didn't get into it, but you know, and that's fine, but it's when we started winning, we were winning games and playing really well and being, it was like, this is cool. This is really cool to be part of because after that Hornets season, we weren't winning so much, but this year um, or last year, I should say, yeah, making the playoffs is really, really exciting. And, you know, we got guys nominated for player of the week. We had a guy make the all rookie team, um, you know, making trades this off season to kind of over, you know, overhauled the roster a little bit and the guys I work with big West, our head coach and general managers, great Nacho trainer who um, Nacho was the gaming name. Um, he, he actually played for the Timberwolves a couple of years ago, won a championship and then retired, I guess, and went into the front office. Um, <laughs> but he's been great. And it's just like, yeah, he's going to hear his name. That's what he retired. He said he went out on top. So, um, but yeah, those guys have been great. And, you know, teaching me about the league and esports. I mean, esports is a big thing. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, done, you know, I'm trying to think of the, what is it? League of legends and stuff like that. They can sell out, you know, a whole auditorium in New York city or soul or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, their viewership on some of this 2k league, I mean, they're getting five, six, 7,000 viewers on average, just for five hours in a row on Twitch. I mean, there's a, there's a big market for it. So um, it was really cool. It was really cool for us. It was really cool to be a part of that first season. It was really cool that we made the playoffs the first season and, um, it was really cool learning about something new. I think that was what was most exciting. And it just hit at a perfect time and there wasn't a whole lot going on. It's like, I can pour all my boredom. It just gave me something to do. And I think that just really helped me get into it. It's like, I don't have much going on with COVID and everything. Like this is something that can be an outlet to, you know, pass the time. John, what were you saying earlier before I talked over you? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was, I, it was kind of the same comment because I I feel like it, like you said, it hit at the right time. I said, you know, with no other basketball going on at at that moment, I'm sure that was probably kind of your outlet at the time. Like you had to have hoops. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, talking to people, it's like, it is just basketball. Like I would write, I didn't write any previews. We did graphics or I did interviews with the guys after games. Um, I wrote recaps for the games. Like, did all the content for it. And, and the cool thing was, I think about it for me in particular was we had never done it before. And I was, you know, gracious enough to kind of be entrusted to, Hey, you know, you do great stuff on the Hornet side, like see what you can do with this. And it's a little bit different of an audience. It's a little bit different of sure. a clientele you're, you're catering towards. I mean, a lot of it happens at night. Like I'll post stuff at noon and nothing like it's just silence and then you post it at 10 p.m and it's everything just spirals so um, i think it was really cool because he kind of got to like we've never done this before so 
let's try a bunch of different things and see what works and see what sticks. So now that we've had a year under our belts, uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive back into it and see where we can get better this year. And hopefully it gets a little easier um, you know, in terms of the restrictions and the COVID stuff. I think we're all hoping for that at some point, but um, yeah, it was, it just was a huge, really, really, really helped me this summer in terms of having a creative outlet to do something um, and, and, you know, constantly being entertained for sure. So my last question is not Hornets related. Um, just from, you know, the time working and talking with you um, and looking through your Twitter profile, one of the things that jumps out the most is optimistic Mets fan. Very optimistic. Yes. So as an optimistic Mets fan, I'm sure you're very optimistic after this fantastic offseason they had. I'm, it's, it's like almost optimistic and it's like, I know I'm being delusional. So I can't wait for what you're about to ask me. So what is your Mets expectations? You like what I did there? Mets expectations? expectations yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw today that they're the most bet on team to win the World Series this year. And, um, you know, I'm a diehard Cincinnati Reds fan. You know, I had season tickets for years. I live in the area. Um, and I remember what it was like last year winning the offseason when everyone was so excited about your team. So I can imagine being in your shoes now, getting guys like Lindor, how exciting that is for you. Uh, what's what's it like now counting down the days till spring training for the Mets fans right now? It's exciting. Um I'm going to geek out again. Uh, it's funny. It's like you caught me like the Hornet stuff because I, I don't know if it's like I'm so inundated with the Hornet stuff so often that it's um, I love it, but it's like, but if you want to talk about like 2K League or Mets, it's like, I just, yeah, I, I, really I get it. Um, no, my dad was originally from New Jersey um, in kind of Warren Township, New Jersey, kind of passed the Mets stuff on growing up in North Carolina. It was uh, I'd say most kids around here kind of grew up being Braves fans. If you root for baseball, just because we had the Turner broadcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's been probably since I was like 11, I'd say the first like real pain I felt as a Mets fan was like 98. I think we missed the playoffs by one game. 99 was crushing. We don't, like we don't have to go to 99, Sam. Yeah. I can remember we, yeah, as a Reds fan. Yeah. That was really exciting for me, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. It's funny. It's <laughs> funny when you're like 10 or 11. For those who don't know, I think they had a they had the one game playoff with the Reds. Yes. Make, them, make the wild card. And yeah, we're good. Let's say it was Al Leiter. Yeah. Al Leiter yeah. <laughs> became um, public enemy number one to me that yeah, day became, at, became at 10 years old. One night. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's like when you're 10 or 11 and your team, like every guitar, September, October, and it's like they disappoint you. You think it's over. Like my life is over. The Mets are never going to win it, and they still haven't. But you have a little bit more perspective. But yeah, uh, '99 was really exciting, and then it's just like the and constant losing the Braves was really uh, frustrating as an 11, 12 year old. And then the World Series in 2000 was obviously really exciting, and then not winning it was less exciting. And then 2015 was really exciting, and then not winning that was exciting. So, um, you know, it's you know, there's a lot of tortured baseball fan bases, so I'm not going to act like, but it, it's, yeah, I love where the direction the team's going. I think the ownership has been great. I love that um, Steve Cohen has kind of been, you know, much more engaging with fans and, and, you know, the Lindor thing was really exciting. I saw it come across and called, texted my brothers like, oh my God, it's happening. Like there's big stuff happening. I texted one of our 2K league guys who's from uh, Long Island. It was like, I, who I know is a Mets fan. I've never met him. I haven't actually met him face to face yet, but um, I was like, Lindor trades coming, like it's happening. So um, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's, there's optimism. You have a team that, you know, if they can get baseball so weird, as you know, it's just like, 
injuries and just weird stuff can happen. And the best team on paper usually doesn't win, which is I'm seeing that as in the sense that the Mets are not the best team on paper. If they were favored, there was no chance they would win. So um, I like the rotation. I think, you know, Jacob deGrom looks great. And then, you know, the Bauer stuff was a little, you know, it was what it was, you know, there's only so much you can do, but Stroman and um, Carlos Carrasco and some of those guys and Lindor and Conforto. I just think they have a really good solid team. I'm excited for baseball. I think it's knowing that baseball is coming and I'm sure you guys are the same way. It just means like, okay, summer, warm weather, spring training, hopefully you can kind of keep it going. You know, hopefully it gets a little easier as the year goes, but yeah, I can't wait. I love, I love baseball. I love watching it. Um, drives my wife crazy because it's either on all yeah. the time or, um, it's the Mets again, but I'm at, so Sean's not a big baseball guy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I am like you are obviously, but Sean's all time favorite baseball player is Ricky Henderson. So as a kid, do you remember what it was like to root for Ricky Henderson for a year or two? I did. Yes. It was really weird. It was like, uh, I grew up, I, when he was on the Mets, he was like towards the tail end of his career. Oh, like, ass end of his career. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe a little bit further. Um, but it's like you had old baseball cards. You see Ricky Henderson. Say like, this guy played in 1985. Like he's still playing. This is the same Ricky. He Henderson. played. He played in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, 70s. It's like is this the same Ricky Henderson that's on the card from 1981 that's playing now in 2000 for the Mets? I think he actually went. Was it 2004? Like he kept. I think it was with the Padres. Yeah. He, yeah. Oh my God. He played, he played in four decades. So <laughs> he was, he's, he's 70s, 80s, 90s and, and 2000s. He's probably one of the most like hated baseball players of all time too. And like, I just, I've, I've loved the swagger he's always had. And just, he, yeah. he was just, he was just an awesome guy. I loved Ricky. Yeah. He was, he played a decent, I just kind of remember a long time ago, but like 99, he played a big part in that team and getting to the, the NLCS. I, don't I don't think he was on the, the World Series team. I think he was. I think he'd gone elsewhere. Was released maybe halfway through the year, or like wanted. To, it sounds like he probably at that point he thought he was still a starting caliber player and wanted a bigger role. So, <laughs> uh, I probably That's pretty on par him. for Ricky. Yeah. yeah, I vaguely remember rooting for him, but it was like it was more like confusion of like this guy is still playing. Even twelve years, twelve years old, you're like this guy's still playing. Yeah, well, it's like. I remember, so, you know, my dad was a big basketball fan growing up and, you know, I was a kid in the nineties, so I loved the Bulls and like in 97, when they signed Robert Parrish, like my dad was a big Celtics fan. So he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, he played for the Celtics in the eighties. And I'm like, what? I was like eight years old. So I'm like, wow. You know, so like, I'm sure that's what the Ricky Henderson similarities were. Yeah. Same with when Robert Parrish mentioned it was, he came here in Charlotte towards the end of his career. Yeah. Learning about him. Yeah. Yeah. Before uh, he, he was there before he went to the Bulls. Oh, I didn't know he went somewhere. I thought he finished in Charlotte. Did he finish in Charlotte? He won the 97 title with the Bulls. He was like on that team. I thought that was his last year. I feel, I feel. Might be right. I think he did like 94, 95. He was in Charlotte. Um, Yeah. It's funny. It's funny how long those, those guys hang around because you hear about your dad talking about him. Then you actually see him. It's like, this guy, you know, he looks a little older now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he finished. He finished with the Bulls. 96, 97 was last year, but he was with the Hornets from ninety four to ninety six. I, I remember that. Okay. I forgot about it. Yeah. Well, Sam, you've been awesome, and you've given us a ton of time. We definitely yeah, appreciate absolutely. it. Um, before we get out of here, for our fan, for our listeners of our show, and 
Hornets fans who don't know who you are for some reason yet, um, what's the best way people can follow you, be in contact with you, talk the games with you? You know, the floor is yours, but if you want to shout out your social medias. Yeah, um, pretty much Twitter, Sam underscore Pearly, P-E-R-L-E-Y, S-A-M underscore, um, S-A-M underscore P-E-R-L-E-Y. Um, that's pretty much where all the Hornet stuff goes to. Um, I don't really do too much on Instagram work-wise related, so um and i promise you there will be venom content up there as well when the season gets going so i don't know if i'll be like tracking the games play by play because i don't want to be too much of a nerd but uh it's it's a balance of it's just hornet stuff it's not too much i won't bore you with any of my personal life or anything on there so um but yeah a lot of good stuff we have a great team at the hornets.com it's not just me it's tremendous leadership videographers social media um so all our stuff is hornets.com we got a lot of cool stuff coming on our youtube channel um, I just play a little part in it, but we've got a tremendous team, tremendous content. And, um, you know, it's been exciting this year to kind of bring this team to an audience, a newer audience in some instances, um, especially when we can't have fans. So we're, we're doing as much as we can right now to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been awesome, man. You know, I've yeah. been, I really appreciate your work. Um, thanks again for coming on. And we're going to wrap this edition up of 48 minutes. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, basically, they keep their eye on our, on our contest giveaway we're doing. Um, that nice, solid Donner's Panini Optic LeBron James 2019 mint card. It could potentially be yours for your card collectors out there. So keep an eye for it on the social medias. Have a good night.